Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. Happy Mother's Day to everyone. So a few years ago, Alessandra, who's now almost 12, I don't know how old she was, maybe six or seven. So one day she came to me. She was trying to figure out what my position was in the church. And because she has seen me do so many different things. I mean, Justine and I have painted that entire children's ministry back there that you see. So she saw her mom here with me. She saw me uh, make food for everybody and things like that. So one day she goes, ah, are you like the queen <laughs> of the church? And I said, when she said that, I had just picked up the vacuum so I could vacuum the classroom. And I said, I don't know, would the queen vacuum? And she goes, hmm, I don't know. And then I was wiping the desk, and she goes, I know, you're the maid <laughs> of the church. I was like, I would say maybe mother, you know, because mothers are kind of slash maid. So, yeah, out of the mouth of babes, I'm the maid. So, uh, as your maid, I'm going to serve you today with the word, and I am very excited. I wanted to read something. I read this last year, so if you heard it before, you're going to hear it again and laugh. So, if you have never heard, you're going to love this. It's from Joyce Mayer's book, A Confident Woman. So, if you've read the book, you know where I'm going with. Uh, Mom and Dad were watching TV. Then Mom says, I'm tired and it's getting late. I think I'll go to bed. She got up and went to the kitchen to make some sandwiches for the next day lunches. Then she washed the dirty dishes that were left in the sink. She removed frozen meat from the freezer to defrost for the following day's dinner. She set up the cereal box for tomorrow's breakfast and placed the bowls on the table as well. She got the coffee maker programmed to begin brewing the coffee at the right time the next morning. Then she put some wet clothes in the dryer, a load, of dirty, a load of dirty laundry in the washer. She also ironed her work shirt, and there was a couple of buttons that were loose, so she went ahead and sewed the buttons back on. She went into the living room. She picked up some game pieces. Ricky, yours, Ricky. Puzzle <laughs> pieces left on the coffee table and on the floor. She watered the plants, emptied the trash can, hung up a towel to dry, she yawned and stretched and head to the bedroom. She stopped by the computer desk and wrote a note to the teacher and pulled out some cash for tomorrow's field trip. It was her friend's birthday, so she had to write a birthday card on her friend's Facebook page. She wrote a quick list for the supermarket the next day. Mom then brushed her teeth, washed her face, trimmed her nails. Hubby called, I thought you were going to bed. I'm on my way, she said. She put water in the dog's bowl, put the cat outside, and locked the doors. She checked on each of her children's rooms, which she found a few things on the floor she needed to pick it up, like there's a lamp there, a shirt, some shoes, some more Legos. And she put the dirty clothes in the laundry basket. One of her kids was still doing homework, so she stopped to help him a little. She went back to her bedroom, set the alarm, and chose her outfit for the next day. About that time, her husband turned off the TV and announced to no one in particular, I'm going to bed. And he did. 
just like that. So that's, that's mother's life, right? We love it. We complain, but we love it. Come on. You love to show up to church and have some puke on your shirt so you can brag that your kid did that to you, right, on the way to church. We love that kind of stuff. So today I want to talk about the mother of us all, which is the church. And this is the mother that I really love because this is a mother that has endured so much through the thousands of years history. She has been persecuted. She has been burned at stake. She had been taken to be fed to the lions. She, so this is the mother who has endured thousands and thousands of years and continues to birth children into the kingdom of God. So I want to honor the church, our mother, this morning. So last year, I actually preached a message called Meet the Groom, and it's how the love story between Jesus and the church, and, and if you want to watch that on the app, you can go ahead and do it. I'm just going to recap a little bit. That's going to be my intro this morning. I'm going to talk about how did we come out with this theology, right, that the church is the mother and Jesus is the groom and all that. So this is the background. We're going to go. The title of our message is, Does Your Mother Have Wrinkles? I don't know. So I've heard moms say, oh, my gosh, I got all these wrinkles and this great hair since so-and-so was born. Like, you know, I hear them say that. See? So, oh, I got stretch marks because I gave birth to all these kids. You know, so we have our body suffer some alterations because of what our kids do and the church has suffered some alterations because of human behavior the church has been blamed for stuff she never did people did right so our our mother church has suffered a little bit of of bad mouthing and so far and so on so let me do a background we're going to go to genesis 1:26. we're not going to read it yet because i want to tell you the bible is very one-dimensional and as uh i have a superpower it's called add so I, create, I, have, I imagine things as I am reading, and it doesn't become three-dimensional anymore. It's alive. And so as I read this passage, this is what went through my mind, okay? So God the Father is about to create humanity. So he's about to create mankind to have a relationship with, to love on humanity, and humanity can love him back as their father. So as he's planning all this, his omniscience, so he already knows all things. He knows that man is going to start off really well and hanging out with God every day, in the morning and in the afternoon, but there was going to come one point that man was just going to disobey, rebel, and separate from God. So before he created man, he had to have a plan to redeem mankind to himself. So the plan that he had on Genesis 1.26 it explains because he goes to Jesus and said, Jesus, right now you're wearing the crown as the prince of peace. You live in a realm where there is no time concept. Yes. There is no human flesh. You can be here and you can be there at the same time. You don't get tired. Your body is glorious. But in order for me to redeem humanity to myself, you're going to have to depose of all this. You're going to have to get rid of all these wonderful things that you get to enjoy. You're going to have to live in human flesh for 33 years. That alone, is, that alone is a sentence. Like to be confined to the human body and susceptible to times, uh, to the weather, and different things. Not only are you going to do that, Jesus, 
But see, when I crown them with my glory and they sin, they're going to remove that crown. And because the, the consequences of sin is death, they're going to put on themselves a crown of thorns filled with torment and anxiety and depression and all kinds of stuff. So Jesus, I'm going to need you to go down to earth, take your crown and propose to them. This is going to be an arranged marriage. This bride is going to do everything wrong. And you have done everything right, still going to love her. And you're going to propose to her and give her your crown. And instead, you're going to take her crown and you're going to die for her. Are you willing to do that, Jesus? And he says, yes, Father, I will. So then Genesis 1:26 it says Then God said let us Father Son and Holy Spirit make mankind in our image according to our likeness not physical but spiritual personality and moral uh, likeness This is the amplified version is that the one Yes So we're going to go to Ephesians 5 now And this chapter it's titled Marriage like Christ and the church. So the Apostle Paul wanted to teach us how to be married with our spouses by imitating Jesus' love towards the church as his bride. So I'm going to drink a little bit of water here. So it says on verse 26, So that he, Jesus, might sanctify the church, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word of God. So not only Jesus was going to marry the church, but he had to cleanse her first. Verse 27, so that in turn, he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy, set apart for God and blameless. So the word of God washes us. It also removes wrinkles. It removes every imperfection that the church has collected. So let us pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that your word will wash our imperfections this morning, God. So we can be a church without any wrinkle and any blemish. For your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to do something that I should have done earlier, but I want to confess this, okay? So if you guys can go back, whoever is in the sound, we're going to hold our Bible. I picked the lightest, smallest one, so it will be easier for me to use because my scriptures are here. So I want you to confess this with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the word of God. I boldly confess that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You just spoke life over yourself. Amen, church. So let's go now to Philippians Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 7. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. 
It means delight, take pleasure in his presence. Again, I would say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit that comes from him, your graciousness, unselfishness, mercy, tolerance, and patience be known to all people. The Lord is nearby. Six, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every day, every circumstance, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests to God. Seven, and the peace of God, that peace which measures the heart, oh, reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus is yours. So as you delight yourself and you rejoice and you spend time with the Lord, that peace will guard your heart. It's yours for you to take. The peace of God will not guard our heart and mind if we don't train our mind, though. So this is very conditional. So how do we guard our mind? With prayers and supplication. You know, prayer is a powerful thing. I wasn't praying enough. Uh, whenever there's a church event and I get really busy. Um, have you seen those car dealers and they have those dolls that are doing that? Full of air? That's me before an event, right? So I wasn't praying much and... I told my husband, hey, I'll go ahead and preach on Mother's Day and give you a Sunday off, and I'm going to do that. So I went before the Lord. I said, okay, God, tell me what I'm going to preach Mother's Day. It has to be pretty. The moms have to feel nice when they finish the service. So I prayed the first day. I'm not getting anything. I prayed the second day. I'm not getting anything. So I do like David did. David did. Uh, this is what he said. Why have you hidden your face from me? He was frustrated. Why aren't you giving me a, a sermon from Mother's Day? And he says, oh, there you are. I haven't been hiding from you. You just kind of ignore me because you've been too busy with Easter and Mother's Day and VBS and the end of the school year. You know, you're just going and going and going. You pray, you talk to me for five minutes. So there you are. So I had to get on my knees, and I had to repent to God and say, God, I'm sorry. Sometimes I think I work for you, and then I realize all you want is to be my friend. Yeah. All you want is for me to sit down and talk to you about my day, the good stuff, the bad stuff, whatever it is. That's all you want from me, and here I am doing a bunch of stuff. And he said, why do you wait until it's level 10 to cry out to me, Margie? Why don't you just... Talk to me when you're level two, you know, just getting a little busy, you know. And I think that that happens, that happens to us, and it happens to us as a church. We make a bunch of bad decisions during the week, and then on Sunday we come to church, and we have placed pastors in this position as dental hygienists. I collect a bunch of gunk in my teeth, I come, and they scrape it off, and then I'm good for the week, I'll come back next week. And that's not fair. For the pastor, it's not fair for your dentist. Because you get to the dentist and they say, did you floss? Did you brush your teeth? No, this is your job. I come here and you take care of the gunk. 
and you got 45 minutes, and I was like, I gotta go. So you got, you got 45 minutes, Pastor. I gotta go, I gotta go lunch, I got brunch, it's Mother's Day, get rid of the gunk. When the whole time, you could have gotten rid of the gunk yourself on Monday. Right. You could, we've created this codependency that, you, you know, you have to go to the church and for the pastor to do something that God intended for you to do daily with him. So you can show up at church on Sunday morning and you don't have any gunk. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? And then you can serve and you can help other people. You can, you can celebrate and worship God instead of coming for the church to serve you all the time. Do you have a kid that makes a mess in their room? Amen. And then you go and you clean up after them and that's all you are to them. You clean their room. That's all you do. And you wash their laundry and all that. And some people have treated the church that way. I come with my dirty laundry and you clean it. Like, dude, clean your own laundry, right? Seriously, we have the ability to have to commune with God. What? Did I say something? <laughs> so we have the ability. Every kid, right? Every kid. My girls did not clean their rooms either. So, yeah, I've done that. So the church has been treated that way, like the maid. I go and they clean and that's it. You know, I, you know, sometimes someone said, a pastor's wife told me once, she goes, sometimes I spend the whole day and I'm meeting with different people. And when I get home, I feel like I'm filled with vomit because people, you know, what do we do to therapists? You vomit your problems, right? So sometimes a mom showed up to church and she's full of, and sometimes the church starts to look like that because of what we did and how mankind has created this idea of what a church should be or what the pastor should be, right? So the same way that the dentist cannot get all the gunk out of your teeth, the pastor cannot get all the gunk out of your heart and your spirit. Like, it can't be done. So let's, let's get past that. Because the only one that can remove all the gunk is the Holy Spirit of God. Is being in the presence of God, just you and Him in your closet. That's it. That He's the best, and He's free. So you don't have to pay the dentist or anything, right? The whole time God was saying, "Just bring me your problems, bring me your dirty laundry, bring me your gunk. I, I'll help you clean this up, guys. Don't put it on Pastor Rick. He 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 can only do his own laundry." <laughs> My husband does his own laundry. There you go. So the greatest, the greatest manifestation of pride human can show is when he or she say, says, I don't need God. I got this. Because pride is one of the church's current wrinkle. Churches say, God is trying to say, hey, how about Easter? You just worship me and have like a worship service and just be in my presence. No, God. We already got Elsa from Disney. She's coming. We have an inflatable in the parking lot. We have this program. and We got this. We got this. So what does that matter if you, you don't have God? So the church has done this, and sometimes I have done this. I'm just being honest with you guys. Sometimes I get so busy in the work of the ministry that I forget that my friend wants to talk to me and spend time with me. But this wrinkle is so easy to remove. All we have to do is go to God. The first laundry is going to be huge. 
because maybe you haven't gone in a while. So it's going to be a lot, and then the rest is just going to be maintaining, you know. I just dirtied this a little bit today, God, so you just spend that time with God. You walk with him like Adam used to do because that was his dream. The Apostle Paul says, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every day, every circumstance, every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests to God. And sometimes we let our problems be made known to other people, but not to the one that can actually get rid of it and cleanse us, right? Romans 10, verses 11 and 13. We're going to read verse 11 first. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him, whoever adheres to, trusts in, and relies on him will not be disappointed. So believing is not enough. The word believing meaning that adhere to, not letting go. Verse 13, for whoever calls in the name of the Lord in prayer will be saved, will be rescued. You can pray in the middle of being tempted to do anything. I don't know what your deal is. Sexual immorality, gluttony, pot. I don't, I don't know what gossip, gluttony. I don't know what your deal is. But in the middle, anger's out, anger outbursts, in the middle of that crisis, you can call out the name of the Lord and he will come to rescue. I don't care if you're addicted to pornography. If you call out the name of the Lord, he will come to rescue right at that moment, guys. If you're lighting your, your joint and he was like, and you say, God, I take this from me. He's the only one that can deliver you guys. The only one. The Hebrew definition for the word deliverance means if you can put it on the screen, to draw out, to draw out. When you go to a therapist, they teach you how to cope with what you have, but they don't draw anything out of you. There's no deliverance there. You can have a great friend, but if you're just venting, there's no drawing out. There's no de deliverance. You're just pretty much vomiting your stuff and, you know, maybe swimming in a pity party. I don't know. But we need to be delivered. And the only deliverance comes from his presence in our lives. So look at Psalms 37, verses 4 and 5. 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires and petitions of your heart. He's going to put desires in your heart. The Bible says, don't trust your heart. Men's heart is wicked. But if you delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to put petitions inside your heart. You're going to find yourself praying for stuff that you didn't even know you wanted. But he would put it there. Five, commit your way to the Lord. Okay, I've done that. I've committed my way to the Lord. But wait, there's more. Trust in him also and he will do it. It's not just committing and dumping your problems at God. It's actually walking away and trusting that he will do it, right? There is a two-edged sword there. The absence of that trust, and I dealt with that many times. I give God my problems, and then I take it back so I can do it. Just me and Brittany and Pastor Curtis. Okay, maybe a couple of you guys. So you know what that's called, that absence of trust? Because we commit to the Lord, but then we forget to trust. That absence of trust is pride. Believing that you need to do it because if you don't do it, nobody will do it. How many of you guys have heard that? If you don't do it, nothing's going to get done. So might as well do it yourself. 
And that's kind of the lie that I believed for a long time. So like becoming a workaholic and always doing everything by myself. But if we spend time with God, he will put desires in our heart. There are his desires for our lives because he knows what's best for us, for our future. And you don't need to, because sometimes people say, oh, I don't know how to pray. You don't need to speak Christianese, guys. Like magnificent, omniscient, omnipresent. No, just, hey, God, it's just me here. You can have angry prayers. You can have frustrating prayers. Like I was frustrated the beginning of the week. You can have all kinds of, you can start somewhere. And as you spend time with him, he'll start putting desires in your heart. And your prayer, your prayer life will change. Amen. Um, I did something when I repented to God because I was telling him, where are you? Where are you? Give me a message. Give me a message now. When I was at that point and God dealt with me because I have an I can do attitude, get her done. You know, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get everything done. I'll get it done. So I had to repent because I had to break pride into tiny little pieces. And the only way to destroy, you know, I picture pride as that inflatable thing now. So for me to deflate that, I have to surrender and admit that my mind is not good enough. My emotions are not good enough to lead me. I need a divine being interceding and inside of me to help me live this life. And that's humbling. You have to humble yourself to say, okay, God, I can't do this. You have to get involved. Because if, you, if you're accepting the fact that God is involved in your life, you're accepting and you're admitting that if you don't involve him, you know that you're going to fall on your face and you're going to fail because you're going to do things alone on your own power and we know that our power is limited. Pastor Rick uh, told us about this prayer that he prayed in his beginning of his Christian walk. When he read the scripture, pray for your enemies, and then he started praying that lightning would strike on, you know, strike on them. So he told us that story because he didn't read the rest, bless your enemies. You know. So someone came and taught him, you know, this is how you pray for your enemies, right? But at least he started. At least he started the conversation. You say something stupid, he doesn't care. Picture your two-year-old. They came, and they, they want to talk to you, and they say everything wrong. Do you go like, ah? Oh, Shame on you, toddler. How dare you talk to me? No, you're like, oh my gosh, look at him. He's so cute. He's doing everything wrong, but it's so cute because he's trying. Right? So, you know, little Micah now learned to burp really loud in class. And I'm teaching him to say, excuse me. So every time he burps, everybody laughs. So guess what? He burps every day now, super loud. During snack time, and then I said, Micah, excuse me. So he goes, Bleh. it was super long. Bleh. You're welcome. <laughs> I was like, what? Excuse me, you're welcome. So in his mind, he's trying to say, excuse me. I get it. I have to give him some props for trying. And I think that that's how God is. Yeah. When we mess yeah. up, he's like, okay, I'm going to give him some props. Yeah. At least they're trying to conversate. To, to talk to me, right? Yeah. 
So don't worry about your pray- how your prayer sounds. As you delight yourself in God's presence in your life, he's going to give you the desires. But if you keep him out of your process, out of your journey, you're going to be like those inflatable things. You're full of worldly minding, thought process, full of yourself, and just empty of God. So I don't want to be empty of God. I want God involved in every single thing that we do. So we need to train our mind. So how do we do that? Let's go to Philippians 4. We're going to read verses 8 and 9. The title for this is Think of Excellence. What a title. Think of Excellence. Verse 8. Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and bring peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. That's your subconscious mind. I read a book called The Subconscious Mind, and this man was talking about Everything that you think about throughout the day, and when you go to bed and meditate on all those things, your subconscious is filled with toxic thoughts, and you just leave them there, and it's going to accumulate. It's going to come to the point that you're going to succumb and, you know, have a nervous, nervous breakdown. So he was talking about replacing those things with good thoughts and daily affirmations. You tell yourself, you're a good person, you do good, and, you, and that's good. If you might end up filling yourself with your own, I'm so good, I'm so this, I'm so that. You know, you might, you might get a little cocky. But this is what my daily affirmations look like. I say, I'm loved by God. Yeah. I'm protected by God. Yeah. God is my healer, and he made me more than a conqueror. Yeah. I'm a child of God. He loves and he protects me. Surely, goodness and mercy follow me. They chase me down every single day. When things are going wrong, goodness and mercy always show up for me. And this is something I say to God every night. I will dwell on the house of the Lord all the days of my life because I love God and I love God's people. Even in a day that I'm not loving some of you, I still say that because I want to remove all whatever interaction we had that was like, "Mm -mm." I want to remove that. And by the end of the day, if I was mad at you, I'm not mad anymore because now I love you again. Because I am training my subconscious mind, which is your heart. So this author, he was very good, very close to what God already wrote some thousands of years ago. So to us, it's nothing new because this has been in the Bible this entire time. Right? Um, We can't really believe that God wants our battles, that the peace of God can actually guard and protect our heart and mind in a way that it's impossible to comprehend. So we believe the lie that we must do it ourselves. Today, I want to invite you to release this lie and to believe the truth that God is interested in you, every single detail of your life, no matter how minuscule. And he is interested in every step and decision that you're making in your life. How about we pray like this? God, the next five minutes, I'm about to make a decision, so help me make the right one so I don't spend five years cleaning up the decision that I made 
in five minutes, right? So we're going to, I want the lights to be dim. Because the church has these wrinkles that we kind of want to do things ourselves. The church is us, right? And Pastor Rake has been preaching this message about restoring the church, which it actually means to remove these wrinkles and blemishes from the body of Christ. Today's wrinkle is going to be pride. I want us to completely humble ourselves. So pretty much the mess that I was in a week ago that I went to God with my mess, he just turned into a message for you guys this morning. So if you can do that with my mess, like your mess can be like a powerful message to someone, right? So he wanted me to be completely dependent upon him and to surrender to him. Let's make that time to meet with God alone when no one is there. It's just you and him every day. I run or walk about three miles a day, um, and I have worship. And sometimes I'm running and I'm walking, and, and I'm talking to God, and I'm saying things to him as the, the thing is in my ear in the middle of the street. And I'm like, you know, and people pass by me like, oh, okay, there's that lady again. You know, because I, I don't care. I am just spending time with him and breathing the air that he gave me and thanking him for everything and just my therapy moment, right? He's my therapist. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.